Listen, no matter if you've been walking with the Lord for 80 years or eight minutes, there's someone to pour into. There's someone to invest in. There's only two eternal things in the world, God and people. And if you invest your heart with God, then God will have you invest your heart with people. And those investments pay eternal rewards and dividends. So find people to pour into. Find people to draw around. You don't have to know have every answer. Only Jesus has every answer. But you can give what you have. A capable, hard-working person is often sought out to be a helper or a leader or a member of a club. But when one person does everything, they'll be spread thin and less will be accomplished. As Pastor Daniel reminds us today, God has anointed a lot of people with His Spirit, and we're all capable to do His work. We'll hear how Moses weighed down with the requests of the people, took some great advice about how to delegate. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part three of his message entitled, Life in the Wilderness. I like this, the Lord is my banner. The idea of a banner is a flag. It's, it's, a, it's meant to, to delineate ownership. The Lord is my banner. The Lord is my flag. The Lord goes before me. He's put... His name in my life. That's what all this is about. Now, as we move on into chapter 18, look at what happens. Verse 1. And Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back with her two sons, of whom the name of one was Gershom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. And the name of the other was Eliezer, for he had said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness, where he encamped at the mountain of God. Now he had said to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her. So we're seeing this is a family reunion, so to speak. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, you get that over and over again. He's coming with Zipporah, who is Moses' wife, and their two sons, Gershom, which literally means a stranger there. And notice it was named because we were a stranger in a foreign land, or if you remember from literature, a stranger in a strange land, classic book. And then, of course, Eliezer, which means God is my help. So he's got their sons. Now, what we are learning here is that at some point, Moses sent Zipporah, his wife, and his two sons back to Jethro, their father-in-law. And it never says in the Bible when he did that. We just know that at some point he did it because now Jethro is coming with Zipporah and his two sons. Some people want to argue that with the events of Exodus 4, remember that whole thing where Zipporah is circumcising their sons when the Lord was trying to kill Moses, that whole weird thing. Remember that? If you don't remember, you can listen to it online. It was weird. I don't really have a lot of good answers for you. But it's just one of those weird things in the Bible that happened. Some people say it happened there. We don't know. Some people say maybe Moses sent her back 
um, when things were getting rough with Pharaoh. But as we always say, when the Bible is silent, what? We shall be also. So it doesn't matter when he's in it. We just know that they're coming to him now. And Jethro is going before saying, hey, I'm coming to you. I'm bringing your family with you. So this is a, a family reunion of sorts. Now, from here, look at what happens. In verse 7, so Moses went out to meet his father-in-law. He bowed down and he kissed him. And they asked each other about their well-being and they went up to the tent. And Moses, in verse 8, told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake and all the hardship that had come upon them on the way and how the Lord had delivered them. Then Jethro rejoiced for all the good which the Lord had done for Israel whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hands of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and who has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods for in the very thing in which they behaved proudly, he was above them. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and other sacrifices to offer to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. And so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people and the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. So it begins with kind of that classic Near Eastern greeting. They saw each other. They said, hi, they kissed each other. That's where the holy kiss thing comes from. And I know we're a little bit too proper for those holy kisses. Although there's some of you guys out there who like to give me those holy kisses. I don't mind. But, but that was just, that was the normal greeting. Like if you're in Europe, when I went to Italy, it was great. I felt very at home. Everyone kisses you on a, each cheek. And I'm like, hey, this is kind of fun. You know? So that was just the way they greeted each other. They said hello. They exchanged pleasantries. They found out what was going on in each other's lives. And then they get to the real business because Moses begins to share with his father-in-law the testimony of what God has done. Now, we find that by this time this is over, Jethro is either completely converted because he says, I know now that the Lord is greater than every other God, or he had believed in a lot of gods and he, cho- he realizes now that Yahweh is the strongest. We don't really know the details of Jethro's spiritual life. We know he was a priest of Midian. But something happens after Moses shares the testimony. Now, I want to encourage you. If you want to talk with people about Jesus, you can always just say, this is what God is doing in my life. That's a great way to share with people. And the reason people say it's a great way, and I agree with it, is that no one can really dispute what God is doing in your life. They really can't say, well, that's not really happening because it's your life. So one of the easiest ways to talk about Jesus and what God is doing is when people say, how you doing? I always do it this way. I'm like, you really want to know? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, are you sure? Like, yeah. Now, why do I do I do that for two reasons. One, because they think something really juicy is going to come and that makes them excited to hear it. And normally there is some good juicy stuff. And two, I tell them that because then when I tell them about what God is doing in my life, if they get upset with me, I said, well, you wanted to know. So for me, it's a, it's a net win on either side, you know? But I, I do that because it's like, you sure you want to know what's God? And then I tell them, like, look, this is what God's doing in my life. And normally it has something to do with, I'm having a blast because God is totally radical. And he's blowing my mind. He's growing me in my marriage. And I'm part of this great church and we're all just growing. And it's totally cool. And people are coming to know Jesus. And people's lives are being changed. And we're walking through tragedies together. But we're doing it as a family. 
And we're holding each other up and we're weeping together and we're laughing together and God's just doing this great stuff. And you know what? No one can say, no, he's not. Because I'm like, well, if you don't believe me, just come check it out. See that? Now you get to invite him to church. Like, it's wins all around, you know? So, but Moses shares all this great stuff and Jethro's like, yeah, man, that Yahweh, he's got it going on. I know he's greater than every other God. Whatever gods I've been worshiping, your God's got it going on. And so what does he do? He starts offering sacrifices. He starts worshiping Yahweh. And and Aaron and all the elders come to hang out with Moses' father-in-law. And again, this is a very patriarchal culture. So Moses' father-in-law, just by nature of his position, was to be respected and after all this is done, we get the lead in in verse 13 that Moses sat down to judge the people and the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. Now, so Moses is sitting in the judge's seat. You ever, when a verdict is being rendered in the law of court, they say, well, the defendant what? Please rise. But the judge stays what? Seated. Ah, an inadvertent Bible testimony right there in a court of law. Maybe not so inadvertent, but the idea is people stand before the judge fascinating. You know, it's interesting. Back in the Bible times, the rabbis would sit down and the people would stand and listen to the messages. So starting next Wednesday, no, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm totally kidding. It'd be amazing. Next week, everyone will be watching on the internet. You know, no one will be here. Everyone will be like, man, Pastor Daniel said we're going to stand up all 40 minutes of his talk. Forget that, you know. But that's how they did it. So I don't know. But we should try and think about being more Christ-like, don't you think? No, I'm kidding. If I was sitting down, I'd be falling asleep listening to my own messages anyway. But that's a whole other discussion. Moses is sitting, judging the people. Look at what happens in verse 14. So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, what is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit? And all the people stand before you from morning until evening. And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a difficulty, they come to me and I judge between one and another. And I make known the statutes of God and his laws. And Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you are doing is not good. Verse 18, both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. For this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice. I will give you counsel and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. Verse 20, and you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, and rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, and every small matter they themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure and all this people will also go to their place in peace. Now notice as Jethro sees what's going on. Moses is there all day with the people. Every little thing that's going on, Moses is there. 
And Jethro said, Moses, what are you doing? And he's like, look, they're coming to, they want to hear from the Lord, so they're coming to me. And, and Jethro's like, Moses, this ain't good. It's not good. Why? Because you're going to wear yourself out. You're going to wear yourself out. And so he says, listen, I have an idea. Get men, godly men, good men who hate covetousness, and let them help in this process. This is classically called delegation. Delegation. And he gives them this advice. Then they can deal with a lot of stuff. And on the really big things that you need to be there for, then you can be there for. But other people can help. And it's interesting. He ends this whole thing by saying, ask God. And if God's in it, do it. Do you notice that at the end there? He said, if God so commands. He's not saying this is what you ought to do. He's saying that God should help you. That God will tell you and you should do it. Now, he's letting Moses realize that God can use anybody. And God will use anybody. Now, I want to share, this is very personal to me because as one of your pastors, everybody wants me to be involved in everything. I get more emails than you can even fathom. And I want to tell you, listen, I can't do everything. And you know what? You don't want me to do everything. Just the way Pastor Bill can't do everything, and you didn't want him to do everything. And God has anointed godly men and women in this church who can do a lot of things. So I want to encourage you, if you send me an email and another pastor gets back to you, it's not because I don't love you. I absolutely do. But God has anointed a lot of people. God's hand is on all of us. And his spirit is in all of us. But Moses couldn't do that long term if he wanted to be able to be sustainable in the work of the Lord. And so I want to encourage you I want to encourage you as a church. I love knowing everything about everything, but I can't. I would love to. But I read this, I'm like, oh, Lord, such wisdom here. To be able to trust other people that can do things. I love with the selection of people, able men, men of ability. Such as fear God, men of godliness. Because we know fearing the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I love this, men of truth. Men who love God's word. Men of honor. Men who hate covetousness. I'll be honest. I'm so stoked at our pastoral staff here. Man, the guys who God have brought to Crossroads are, these men are amazing. I'm blown away by him. I was talking to Pastor Ralph today. Pastor Ralph's been on staff here for 30 years. Man, he's like, Pastor Ralph's like the classic, like silent, brilliant guy. If you ever talk to Pastor Ralph, Pastor Ralph's got a gift of listening. Right? And he just listens. And all of a sudden, he'll open his mouth and he'll drop some science on you. You know, like, like one line of science and you're like, hmm. You know what I mean? That's how I feel when Pastor Ralph just lays it out there for you. I'm just like, ha-ha, yeah. yeah. That's, uh, that's me. I'm like, God is, so, we've been blessed here at Crossroads. Godly men, brilliant men, men of honor, men who love God's word. I mean, I'm excited. I can't, I, I was telling Pastor Garrett, he's like, I can't wait to Obadiah's in middle school. Because Pastor Garrett's totally cool. You know, he longboards to church sometimes. I mean, how can you go wrong with a guy who's got a Bible in one arm and longboarding? You know, it's like, that's a middle school pastor. I went into Killer Burger and Pastor Daniel Keels was eating epic burgers with a bunch of high school kids. And I thought to myself, I really want to be a youth pastor. You know, like, they go, they're, Doing the Bible. They're playing dodgeball right now, probably. I mean, how can you go wrong? Don't you think we should have dodgeball in here? 
Yeah. You guys are like, no. <laughs> yeah. I get, I, never mind. I'm, I'm digressing. But Jethro gives Moses good advice. Because in order for Moses to be used of the Lord, he can't bear the weight of all the people and all the needs. So he needed to delegate. And it's interesting because he says, verse 23, if you do this thing and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure and all the people will go to their place in peace. Now, brothers and sisters, we should give advice the way Jethro gives advice. We should give good advice, we say, and if God so commands you to do it. Oftentimes, we give lousy advice because we don't remember that maybe God has another plan. So we should give advice as we understand it. But like, you know what? You might want to check in with the almighty, all-knowing guy. This is just me speaking to you from my perspective, from what I understand. Give advice knowing that you are fallible, but there is an infallible God who knows what he wants, who knows what he wants. So it's a good way to give advice. And now notice the response, verse 24. So Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. And Moses chose able men out of all of Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, and rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. So they judged the people at all times, the hard cases they brought to Moses, but they judged every small case themselves. And Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his way to his own land. So Moses heeded the advice. D.L. Moody said it this way. It is better to set a hundred men to do work than to do the work of a hundred men. And brothers and sisters, we learned that from Jesus as well. Jesus surrounded himself with 12 men and they reproduced and they reproduced. I want to close our time tonight with an encouragement. I want to see everybody in our church investing in other people. In common parlance, the way we talk today, people say you should pay it forward. And I believe that. I believe that each one of us should surround ourselves, you ladies with other gals, you men with other men, and pour into them. Because you know what? Jesus, when he came, Jesus could have just gone about doing the ministry, getting it all done. But Jesus grabbed 12 guys, right? And those 12 men, from those 12 men, because of the finished work of Jesus, they changed the Roman Empire in one generation because Jesus knew it was better to have 13 points of contact than just one. And as we choose to make an investment in people, that will create an environment where things are just moving because as you're investing in people, they're investing in people and then they're investing in people. That's called spiritual multiplication. It's called discipleship. And we're created for that. I remember my pastor, John Henry Corker, who's now at Calvary Costa Mesa. When he was in Ireland, that's where he was born and raised. And, and he was doing ministry there. Pastor Chuck Smith from Calvary Costa Mesa took an interest in John Henry. You know, and would send him books and encouragements and all sorts of stuff. And then he invited John Henry to meet him. And, and he invited John Henry to come to, to Costa Mesa to be a pastor there with him. And I remember John Henry went, Pastor Chuck, thank you so much for what you've done for me. I can't even thank you enough. Pastor Chuck said, oh, John, I know you're just going to do the same thing with other people. And you know what? He did, because I was the recipient of that. I was a 23-year-old guy who looked a lot like I didn't do now, dreadlocks, big beard, and he's just like, man, God wants to use you. Come hang out in my office. Okay. And he would come and he'd drop books on my desk. They actually gave me my own desk. How crazy is that? I mean, can you imagine putting me on staff? It's crazy. 
Oh, wait, you guys did that too. Never mind. <laughs> but he just called me, dropped books on my desk. Read that and we'll talk about it. He's like, I-, I tried to read this book. I couldn't understand it, but maybe you can understand it. Tell me what it means. Poured into my life. Showed me what a godly marriage looked like by inviting me over his house on the holidays. You know? And I, I remember after I, like, I, beca- I ended up getting ordained. I'm a pastor. I'm going to plant a church. I'm like, John Henry, I don't know how I can ever thank you. And he said, listen to me, you can just do the same thing with other guys. And you know what? I get to do that. Pouring into people. And you know what? God's kingdom grows that way. So brothers and sisters, listen. No matter if you've been walking with the Lord for 80 years or eight minutes, there's someone to pour into. There's someone to invest in. There's only two eternal things in the world, God and people. And if you invest your heart with God, then God will have you invest your heart with people. And those investments pay eternal rewards and dividends. So find people to pour into. Find people to draw around. You don't have to know have every answer. Only Jesus has every answer. But you can give what you have. You could be a shoulder to cry. You'd be like, listen, don't make all the mistakes that I made. Because believe me, I made a lot of them. Let me tell you about my mistakes. Don't do what I've done. You know what? That's a good way to teach. This is what I'm learning. This is what I'm understanding. Brothers and sisters, listen. I don't know when Jesus is coming back, but I do know his return is one day sooner than when we first believed. And we need to get busy serving people, investing in people, because the time is short. We're all one breath away from eternity. And that's not like a scare tactic. That's just truth. You just never know what tomorrow's going to bring. You never know what tonight's going to bring. So while we have breath in our lungs, let's be used of the Lord. Let's invest in people. Let's give people the opportunities to grow. Sure, nobody was Moses in the children of Israel, but God raised up a whole army of people to do good work. We need to be that kind of a place, a place that builds up people and deploys them all over the world. I believe that's where God is leading us as a church. But each one of us is say, I'm going to find people to invest in. I'm going to find people to pour into. I'm going to do what I can with what I got. And I believe if we do that, God will do tremendous things. And God will use us in ways we never even fathomed. It's amazing to me. I'm, now I'm 37. I'm getting a little older. But like, there's people who, they're 60, and they're like, man, you're, you poured into my life. You're like a dad. I'm like, man, I'm like your kid's kid. You know? <laughs> but just, but it doesn't matter how old you are. If you, if you love them and you pour into them, God will do a work in them. And then as you're pouring into them, like, listen, you've got to find people to pour into And everyone just keeps pouring into people. And God's kingdom grows because people grow. And healthy sheep reproduce. You want to start this process. You want that spirit to come out of the rock into your life. We want to see people growing. God's heart is that we grow. So let's pour into people. Let's raise up people. Let's make that great investment in God and in people, the only two eternal things in the world. Jesus is real. Moses took the advice of his father-in-law, and like Pastor Daniel pointed out, that was just like Jesus. He invests in people, and during his time on earth, he grabbed 12 guys to further the gospel message. We can invest in people too. We're created for discipleship. We're so happy that you're a part of the Jesus is Real radio family. 
Jesus is Real Radio is a listener-supported program. We want to let the whole world know that Jesus is real. Your donations help make this possible. You can become a monthly supporter or give a one-time gift by text message. It's easy. Simply text your gift to 855-910-8300. That's 855-910-8300. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when we'll hear how God tells the people that those who keep His covenant are set apart from those who don't. Pastor Daniel will explain what it means to be a priest of his kingdom. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series entitled Sinai. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio.